You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. Discussions of an adult nature, adult language, and spoilers for the films discussed are most likely. Still on board? Come on in. Enjoy your stay. They must be destroyed on sight! Okay, we're back. It's episode 120 of They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. I'm your host, Lee. I'm sorry to intrude, but you're molesting this young lady, Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. You're brainwashing her with your beard, Harper. And I'm pretty sure you saw that line coming a mile away. <laughs> I, I knew I knew there was going to be some kind of beard joke. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. there, there are so many. There, uh, I don't think they quite said facehugger, but, you know... Uh... Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of beard references in that movie. So, yeah, uh, and the movies we are going to be talking about. We're getting back into our sex comedy series. You know how long it's been since we've done our sex comedy series, Daniel? It's been it's been two years. Yeah, <laughs> almost two years. Uh, <laughs> we missed it. We missed it last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of these movies I've been hanging on to since last year. So you know. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at 1963's Beach Party, and we're going to be looking at 1983's Joysticks, uh, two movies that probably couldn't be more dynamically different in a, in a lot of ways. But, uh, and yet very similar in others. Yeah. I, I was surprised at how similar they, they were in uh, structurally in terms of what they do. You know, we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some a uh, little bit of housekeeping to get through here first. First thing I'm going to mention, I recently did a appearance on Cinema PsyOps, uh, one of their latest episodes. So go search them out. I'll put the link to the actual episode in the show notes. But talked about Night Train to Terror, which might be one of the worst movies ever made. Honestly, even talking about that movie was probably a crime against podcasting. And I, I apologize be, uh, well beforehand. Purely my fault, because even though he he put it on the list, uh, Court PsyOps put it on the list of movies to pick from i'm the guy who picked it so as far as crime against podcasting goes i mean i feel like that's what we do every time we record so yeah. uh, you know nothing nothing unusual for us I'm, I'm just afraid that we'll we're like slowly killing other people's podcasts because uh bb and bc are, are gone now um yeah so uh I'm, I'm almost expecting like i've done stints on uh cinema beef and uh the podcast under the stairs uh and now cinema psyops all in legion podcasts podcast network i'm kind of worried i might end up killing off all the podcasts in that network if, I, if i'm if i'm going like this I, I think the key is i think the key is if i show up and do a guest spot then that's the that's the real death now it, it, it must be us together that's what yeah, it is no that's the that's the thing so any yeah. any any podcast you and i guest on together that's well the, we uh, you were just a guest on the other podcast i do uh, with James Murphy, City of True. the Dead. So we might have just killed that podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you're about done with Amicus films, so you know, at least it would be a good a good spot for it. You know, but, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, if uh, James gets that edited and uploaded soon, uh, I'll include the link to that in the uh, show notes as well. But yes. uh, that that was a longer episode than usual for us because we had Daniel on there, and we were talking about three films in that one. So the land that time forgot at the Earth's core. 
and the people that time forgot uh, the, the last three amicus films officially and i will refrain from commenting on those until uh, so people will go listen to that episode so we'll move on now we do have a few comments I, I put it out there on the facebook page they must be destroyed on site on facebook the best way to get in contact with us uh, if they wanted to comment on the two movies we're doing and everyone basically left just like very brief comments uh court psyops uh, queried, would you care to dance with me? And, uh, well, he's talking about Night Train to Terror, and he's being a very bad boy uh, doing that. He, he keeps bringing up trauma, and uh, you got to stop it, Court, or we're just going to kick you off the Facebook group. Oh, um, only if we can dance vidiot style. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Sullivan says, Joe Don Mitchell Baker. And, you know, I've never seen Mitchell, although that is one of Joe Don Baker's famous movies. I, I usually remember him as uh, Buford Pusser in Walking yeah. Tall, right? Jay Deering says, totally awesome video games. Gary Hill says, vidiot. And Jeff Williams says, Von Zipper. So uh, names... They're all just, they're all just exclamatory ejaculations about the two films that we're discussing. No one has any <laughs> substantive comment. Uh that's the that's kind of the the approach I'm going to take in this podcast episode as well. I'm just going to declaim things that happened in the film and not actually comment on them. So I hope you're ready for that, Lee. <laughs> All right, um, you're probably just going to say Dorothy Malone and then, <laughs> and then log <laughs> off. Dorothy Malone, beard, surfing. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. And we have a comment on one of our uh, YouTube videos, and this is from. Uh, I had to translate this because it was in uh, Cyrillic. Uh, so I had to translate it to English. Sure. Uh, the, the name, anyway. And the name is Connecting to Media Network. Hello, Lee Russell. Have you ever faced a situation where you shoot a good video, spend tons of your time editing, put your heart into it, but your masterpiece does not gain any views? The point is that in order to get a large number of views and to become popular, a fresh video needs a good start with the support of several thousand views. This is exactly what we suggest. Online service Viboom provides an opportunity to place your video on hundreds of sites in a couple of clicks and fits your goal perfectly. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that, that sounds legit. I, yeah. I think you should definitely try that. Yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, that's just going to shoot you right to the top. This sounds like questions. a, sounds like a long time listener. Like, uh, you know, uh, they really, really want to really help. Concerned, really concerned with your uh, with your social media presence. I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it uh, like we sign up for that service, and then like the next, like in like two or three weeks, we're going to be like the new cereal. It's going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know all the all those podcasts that are highly successful on YouTube. But yeah, uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll play some promos for some podcasts and a little bit of music, and we'll be back to talk about our two movies. You ungodly warlock. Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I am Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> and he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner, the other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show is available on Hello Doomed Show Podomatic.com and Doomed Movie Hello, hello, this is the Doom 
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. Unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you should be. I'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll popping up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You ungodly warlock. an early start we're gonna have a ball we're gonna ride the surf yeah that ain't all nothing is greater than the sand serpents out there unrack our boards just as soon as we get there Tack them in the sand where the breaking just right surfing all day and we're swinging all night vacation is here beach party tonight chalk on our boards while we're in school Now it's waxing our boards At Balboa 2 Nothing is greater than the sand serpents out there Unrack our boards just as soon as we get there Stack them in the sand where they're breaking just right Surfing all day and we're swinging all night Vacation is here The beach party tonight Just right. We're gonna try to have Yeah, beach party tonight Nothing is greater than the sand serpents out there Unpack our boards just as soon as we get there Stack them in the sand where they're breaking just right Surfing all day and we're swinging all night Vacation is here Beach party tonight A Vacation is here A Beach party tonight Okay, we're back, and the first movie we're going to be talking about is Beach Party from 1963. Beach Party Tonight. Beach Party. 
for the most uproariously uninhibited unveiling of today's pagan rites. The Simone puberty dance all over again. The observing professor is Bob Cummings. Dorothy Malone is the professor's assistant, who can uh, teach a few things herself. After you write this book on sex... Yes? Read it. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, two youngsters in love you'll love. You know, the only thing I've studied this semester is you. Well, I hope you don't flunk. Ava Six, a prime asset at any party. Harvey Lembeck, a motorcycle matador. Maury Amsterdam, host to Hot Doggers and Beach Bunnies. Why not? Keep a moving and a grooving, don't stop now. Don't stop now! Where only I know the Grimmies and the Hooters never go. Serving, swinging, and surfing. Yeah, just surfing. Uh huh. Treat him nicely. That's what you should do. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. What do we hold, sinners? Girls! Yeah! There's an irresistible surge of that urge to romantically merge. Ah, it's wild and wonderful when 10,000 kids beat on 5,000 beach blankets. Hey, wall-to-wall girls. Laughing, loving, living it up. This is directed by uh, William Asher, written by Lou Russoff, and it's starring Bob Cummings as Professor Sutwell, Dorothy Malone as Marianne, Frankie Avalon as Frankie, Annette Funicello as Dolores, Maury Amsterdam as Cappy, Harvey Limbeck as Eric Von Zipper, Eva Six uh, as Ava, John Ashley as Ken, Joni McRae as Deadhead, Dick Dale and the Deltones as themselves. And the synopsis that I pulled from some random person on IMDb, anthropology professor Robert Orwell Sutwell and his secretary Mary Ann are studying the sex habits of teenagers. The surfing teens, led by Frankie and Dee Dee, don't have much sex, but they sing, battle the motorcycle rats and mice, led by Eric Von Zipper, and dance to Dick Dale and the Deltones. Look for Big Daddy's surprise cameo. And yeah, there you go. There's the movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> don't need to see it. You've already, you've already, you already know what's happening in this in this film. So uh, therefore, uh, yeah, you're you're done. Yeah. Uh, but when is when's the first time you've seen this, uh, Daniel? Uh, I saw it for the podcast. Um, I had, uh, you know, as as kind of intimated in our last episode, as we were kind of going through our uh, Dorothy Malone starring roles, I realized mm-hmm. she was in this. She had a bit part. I uh, kind of found it on uh, Daily Motion, so this is available on Daily Motion. You can watch it yep. in two parts. I thought, yeah, sure, that'll be a fun fun thing to do. So watched it for the podcast. I might have seen bits and pieces of it. A lot of these kind of things showed up on uh, 
basic cable kind of back in the day. Right. Although when I was even when I was growing up, I don't remember these. You'd see clips of them on shows about old movies more so than you'd see them actually like played anywhere. But I'm sure I saw like bits and pieces of some of these uh, just around. But uh, I've never seen this start to finish until um, actually this morning I watched it. So hmm. uh, you, was this your first time? No, um, I've definitely seen this entire film at one point when I was a lot younger, this definitely used to play all the time. Like all these beach party movies, this mm-hmm. is the first of, there's seven th- of these. Yeah. They're actually part of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Some are, some are just sort of loosely connected and some are like direct sequels, uh, muscle beach party in 64 bikini beach in 64, uh, pajama party in 64. Jesus, they were busy in 64. Holy fuck. Um, <laughs> they they got to cash in on the craze, man. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the way you do it. Uh, Beach Blanket Bingo in 65, Ski Party in 65, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini in 65, and The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini in 66. And then there's like the unofficial uh, sort of spiritual sequel kind of parody from the 80s uh, called Back to the Beach. I used to see that on um, Turner Movies all the time. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah. Station, yeah. And that that was back when, uh, when I was a lot younger, like a teenager. And I was always convinced that uh, Back to the Beach and all these other films had nudity and stuff that was just edited out. So I had always <laughs> wanted to like rent these on VHS, you know, just to see the nudity. And of course, no, no nudity. Yeah, these these are kind of uh, people. I think people think that these movies are fairly more innocent than they actually are. Th- this movie does have a lot of innuendo in it uh, that you probably wouldn't expect from it's it's definitely more assertive particularly it doesn't actually show sex but it definitely sort of simulates a little bit of you know like Mm -hmm. there's definitely some implication that sex is happening and some you know sort of off-screen shenanigans that are a little bit more than what you would expect from a you know kind of family friendly kind of thing in the 60s right you know runs a description you know where it's uh you know they're supposed to be very uh, I mean, you got to keep in mind that at this point in 63, anything that was remotely pornographic was uh, controlled by the mob. So you can't, mm-hmm. you couldn't, you couldn't make porn. And so they basically just, and they couldn't really even do like nudie movies because those were still, uh, you know, kind of risque. Those were only, so if you wanted to show it, you know, kind of as a, uh, something you could show, I mean, you just, you know, you take, you take out the nudity and you just kind of do like a bunch of people running around on a beach with bikinis on. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you build a plot around that, and that's exactly what they've done here. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, uh, this has got like a, it's got. I mean, it's got Annette Funicello. She had that sort of wholesome uh, Walt Disney Mouseketeer. Yeah, she, she was she was one of the original Mouseketeers in the in yeah. the fifties, and uh, she was even now kind of working for Disney. In fact, she was under contract for Disney even when they were doing at least the first few of these movies, and. Uh, you know, so they had like contractual obligations about what she was and wasn't allowed to do and that sort of thing. So she does get to be the kind of wholesome uh, center of this movie. And then kind of a Lolita figure, which is actually called out in yeah. the text of the film. And uh, <laughs> there's a little 15 minute subplot that's not at all uncomfortable. Where <laughs> the uh, scientist, the anthropologist, uh, Dr. Sutwell, is um, kind of sort of dating this supposedly 16 year old girl or whatever. Yeah, no, that's that's certainly uh it was kind of surprising to me just the fact that they not only did it, but they call it out with the mm-hmm. with the, the Lolita line. And Lolita was only three years earlier than this. I mean that was a recent reference at this point. Uh, of course the Nabokov novels a few years earlier, but it's definitely you know, and that's the sort of thing to where it really is sort of playing with some ideas that are a little bit a little bit more risque than maybe, you know, you kind of it, remember it being. 
Yeah, it is, because these movies, I guess the initial sort of construction and design, like the whole concept of these is they wanted to do the Elvis movies, yeah, you know, but they wanted a younger crowd and they wanted to make them a little bit more risque. You know, they wanted to make them actually entertaining for teenagers and, and, and young adults, you know, so put a little bit more sexiness into it, a lot more bare flesh on display than you would typically see in an Elvis film. And there was another teen uh, singer that they originally wanted to be the, in the Frankie Avalon role, uh, Fabian, I believe it was, uh, that they, they wanted to uh, have star in this. But, uh, I Fabian guess he, Forte. Yeah. So, But he couldn't. He was like a James Dean type in his uh, Wikipedia photo. Mm-hmm. But then like they settled. Holly, he's got that kind of. Right. Anyway. But they they settled with uh, Avalon. Avalon was, you know, doing, he was sort of a recording star, but he was looking to get into films. And he, he went on to do a bunch of stuff for AIP other than just the uh, the Beach Party movies. Like, actually, mm-hmm. he sort of dropped in and out of the series as it went on. Like, he'd come back for a movie and then leave for a movie. He kind of looks like, he's so young here, he almost kind of looks like Fred Savage to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, these, uh, it's funny, like, he's he's about 30 years old here, and Fulicello is uh, 20, you know, she looks very, very young, despite being, you know, well-developed, etc., but, you know, she they definitely like... kind of play her up as the as the innocent one, as the young one. She looks um, like Jackie Kennedy. Is... <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, that's the buffant, you know, mm-hmm. the buffant, kind of everybody looks a little bit like Jackie Kennedy with that, with that <laughs> hairdo. What I was uh, kind of surprised with is how uh, interesting the... Uh, some of the coding is and some of the stuff with the anthropologist character, because it's not really, I mean, I was expecting it to just be the framing device. Like, Oh, this guy is just kind of creeping around and looking at, looking at girls. It's, and uh, it's really, it's really his story in his, in, in his secretary played by Dorothy Malone. It's really their story. They, it's they really, get the, it's really their really. story. And then he's just kind of, he, he gets involved in the, in the, in the kind of teenagers. I mean, the first 20 or 30 minutes of this, is a little bit kind of hard to take just in the sense of it's, it's kind of the generic movie that we're kind of, that I was kind of expecting where, uh, you know, it's a bunch of people in bikinis and, you know, like surfing and on some music and some, all right, where's the, where's the narrative here? You know, what are we, what are we doing besides just watching this? I mean, you know, it's fine if that's what you're going to do, but you know, whatever. Once it, uh, once he, I mean, I'll uh, pull up his name here. Uh, Bob Cummings is the uh, actor's name. He's, quite good in this um he was a tv actor from way back um he he was kind of known for for being that guy you know he's kind of coming in and doing the uh anthropologist thing and <laughs> coding these kids is like explicitly racialized i mean there's there's a there's a very complicated reading of this to where he's essentially um, treating them like you know the african tribe and the savage yeah. jungle et cetera, et cetera, which was which is kind of a gag but i mean it goes throughout the film i mean it's a very overt kind of kind of bit of narrative um and in fact he's you know supposed to be this like world explorer kind of you know right. researcher who anthropologist who is uh you know gotten all these gifts from all over the world from from various you <laughs> he's, know he's got a, or whatever a, a, like a fireproof kimono from the fire, fire chief of tokyo <laughs> yes from the fire chief of tokyo tokyo which i'm sure is an actual thing yeah, but he's got a secretary, Dorothy Malone. Marianne is the character's name, and Dorothy Malone just manages to be kind of the best thing in every movie she's in. Is yeah. is that kind of the uh, the lesson we're learning here? She's amazing in this. She has maybe twenty lines. You get immediately that she's like the one who's clearly much wiser about what's actually going on than uh, he is. Uh, she kind of twigs to him, kind of being attracted to this girl in a way. You know from the beginning that she kind of takes his shit and she's kind of in love with him. But, you know, 
also can't really talk about it. I mean, you know, it's sort of, I don't want to say subtle, but it's certainly, you know, a fairly intricate kind of characterization that we, that we get. She's totally coming on to him because at, at one point she basically just, just turns to him and after you write this book on sex, read it. read it because dude you're a stick in the mud and Mm. uh you spend all your time uh doing your research and very little time you know you're all brain and no dick that's that's the that's the problem yeah all of his stuff in in, taken in context it looks very creepy because he's he's peeping on these kids and he's listening to him he's overtly he's got like this like tape recorder he's got all these like listening on their conversations mm-hmm. and like tracking them and it's like yeah how did you get this past an institutional review board but i mean really he's he's presented as this might as well be a virgin yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know totally clueless guy who doesn't realize that annette funicello wants to bang him <laughs> i mean i think he's I, I don't know i i read him as someone who he kind of knows in the back of his mind i mean he's kind of aware of it but he's kind of lying to himself about his own you know sort of motivations like he's kind of saying like oh no i'm just interested in this for research but he's also very interested in being attracted to her and you know like as any person would reasonably be in that situation (laughs) you know and that finishella was adorable uh of course you got george malone standing right there and clearly wanting to fuck you yeah Uh, you know that's that's not a difficult decision for me Um, that's a good sandwich to be in the middle of sandwich to be (laughs) in the middle of and and, uh let's just let's just go ahead and get uh you know a couple of these other girls uh there's a uh a dancer who is uh let's see what's her name here uh candy johnson is the is the dancer okay Um, in the closing credits she's the one kind of dancing right credits and she's also the one early in the film who does the the classic bit of you know she's stretching on the beach and yeah. the surfers are you know crashing as they as they watch her. Which, <laughs> that scene has to happen in all of these movies, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, she's the one who's uh, we probably see the most skin on on uh, the lovely candy there. And apparently mm-hmm. she was a professional dancer. She retired a few years after this movie and uh, just kind of she went out and had a nice life for herself. Apparently, so uh, good for that. And of course the uh, the sort of Swedish bombshell who is Ava who is uh, played by Eva Six, who apparently did three movies and then retired. So <laughs> Yeah, she. I was looking into her, and I guess she escaped from... It was it was some sort of, like, I think, regime or something she escaped from with her husband and went to Hollywood, uh, if I recall correctly. And then she got signed on to AIP and did three pictures, and that was it. Yeah, no, she was, uh, she was born in Hungary to a Jewish father and a Catholic mother. Uh, dad died during the war, and her mother changed family surname to avoid detection by the Nazis. So, yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> so many, so many films of this time basically involve like, and then they fled the Nazis. That was, you know, that's just a thing that happens. Yeah. You know, when you're like, let's watch the beach party movie from 1963. Nazis always show up somewhere if you start digging into any of this, any of the details. <laughs> um, but no, so you get this narrative around, you know, this scientist who's basically trying to hit on this girl, and this girl is kind of, she's looking for someone mature and kind of adult. She wants to become a wife and not just, you know, and not just be fucked, you know, which is a shame. Oh, you know, more power to her. But uh, there is a sense in which she starts looking at this guy, at this, you know, older man, and he's in his 50s at this point. You know, you look up the actor, I mean, he's mm-hmm. actually, you know. Um, doesn't look it though. He's 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 got like that Charles Bronson thing where he, yeah, yeah. his body doesn't age, you know. I kind of love there's there's a lot of light comedy made out of his uh you know because of his experience because of his science like he can learn to surf by doing math, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, he forgets to carry the two and once he, he does to carry the two and then once he can carry the two then he's like, okay, now I can surf and uh 
not that not for any amount of good it does him with uh, impressing the guys because they they laugh at him as uh, you know the obvious dweeb. He's almost coated as uh, like with with his beard, almost as like a beatnik or something like that. You know, yeah, like yeah. he's got a kind of that shaggy beatnik beard that would be sort of passe at this point in '63, right? Well, like, he's kind of this academic because we actually do have a beatnik who is not Big Daddy, but the um, oh um, Cappy in the Cappy, in the bar. Cappy yeah. Yeah. Who um, there's a really interesting scene that he has with our hero here, and and they kind of go back and forth. There's a there are a couple of girls doing yoga constantly, <laughs> um, which is a funny little gag. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like little touches in this film that make it a lot better than it has to be. And there's some some kind of sexy stuff. There's a motorcycle gang with Harvey Lumbeck is Eric Von Zipper, clearly based on um Brando. Wild Ones, Brando, yeah, yeah clearly based yeah. on Brando. Um, they even like name check Brando, I think, at one point, or there's like one of the names of one of the other guys is like Marlon Brandon or something like that. Um, <laughs> I might have made that up. I might have just seen it. Yeah, I don't know. I missed that one, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Every little bit of the uh, the motorcycle game is they're the rats, and then the uh, the two girls in the in the gang they're the mice. The mice, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a funny little bit. It's just you just see it on the back of their uh, jackets there, their leather jackets. But mm-hmm. and then like they're the most inept tough guy gang, like. You, you couldn't put an actually dangerous motorcycle gang in a movie like this. So they're all totally inept. They don't present a challenge at all to anybody in this film. They're just yeah. basically, they're basically just there the, Oh, we need a little bit of plot here. You know, we need to fill five minutes with, with something. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, we, we uh, demonstrate that our, our, our hero, our uh, anthropologist can, uh, he has this, these martial arts skills and he can just like touch the side of his head with his finger and, uh, you know, put him into, like, suspended animation for a couple of hours. So, uh, basically, our hero has magic fingering powers. And uh, mm-hmm. in fact, they do have, uh, you know, there's a scene where, uh, you know, Von Zipper's like, well, there are seven of us, and he only has two fingers. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just delightful. Um, yeah. No, and then as the story goes on, we do get uh, there's a there's a kind of there are like two like two explicit love triangles happening, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got uh, Frankie Avalon, who frankly does not make much of an impression on me in this film at all. Um, this is kind of a jerk. Just, uh, all the all the dudes, I know there are like several dudes who are like named characters, and I have no interest in. I they, mean, just, they all look alike. The yeah. only difference is one of them has an accent, a southern accent. <laughs> That's right. It. <laughs> you actually get more personality from the uh, the really dumb, really tall rat. There's one guy who's apparently he's got to be like six foot five or something because mm-hmm. he towers over everybody else in the film. And he's the he's the dumb one, and uh, he he's about the only dude without a beard of some kind who has any kind of personality in this film. <laughs> There's some people in Von Zipper's gang that would be better suited to be the leader of the gang, and they might actually be effective. You know, <laughs> right, right. But uh, you know, uh, we get a couple of fight scenes, and uh, no, we get a uh, uh, two love triangles because you have the one that's because Frankie Avalon's character really wants to get what is like wants to kind of flirt with Ava, who's like kind of the hot girl in the in the place. Yeah, she's um, the uh, she's the hot foreign chick. She's like, the hot waitress, you know. She's she's yeah. like you know, and at that time, like exotic and foreign was like Swedish, you know. <laughs> yeah, that might it might even be the prototypical one too. Like that you basically just see throughout all these sorts of movies ever, ever from Evermore, right up to like uh, Porky's Three with with the yeah. like Swedish exchange student or whatever. I don't you know? think it starts here. I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think this is just an example of it because I think that the uh, the sort of the foreignness. I mean, even. I can imagine like a lot of that might have come in through like Bergman, you know, and sort of the okay, yeah. World War II era, you know, the sort of the idea that, 
you know, Swedish and sex were somehow, you know, kind of, you know, I, I imagine you get some uh, returning World War II veterans who just have this idea of, you know, Swedish massage being the the sexy, you know, <laughs> like being a hand job basically, you yeah. know. Um, but no, you have these kind of two uh, love triangles that are, are kind of happening, and uh, the way that they interact. I mean, ultimately, it just kind of gets uh, you just kind of shrug and move on at the end. They just kind of go, "No, but I love you." Oh, but I love you, and then it's over. So there's no, uh, it doesn't really do anything with that. But it is interesting that it kind of plays with that for a little while. Um, and you end up with uh, Ava ends up, I guess. She goes off with Von Zipper, Von Zipper. and yeah. um, although probably not, I mean, she's definitely kind of hitting on him towards the kind of the two thirds mark. But I think at the end, he's already kind of he's just the loser. Yeah, right? she's so shown to be part. she's shown to be more of like just a troublemaker anyway. Who's yeah. just looking to? She kind of realizes that hey, I can just I can just bang Frankie Avalon and fuck with his relationship, and oh, that's not going to happen. So I'll just get back at all of them and and fuck with them and and hang on to Eric Von Zipper for a little while, you know. So she's just she's just moving around from whatever whatever guy she can find, basically. Yeah. You hate to even like think too hard about the characters in this because mm-hmm. uh, you know there there there's no real writing here. I mean, there it's just it's just kind of dumb. It's kind of fun. It's uh, a lot like an episode of Baywatch. In, yeah, some, you know. I, I, I'm kind of thinking, like, what does this really, like, relate to? And it's, well, you know, Baywatch had to be on network TV, even though it was in syndication, so they had they didn't have standards and practices. So, you know, they could, you know, Baywatch definitely is allowed to be sexier than this is. But it, it sets, it's it's the right comparison point, I think. It's the right, you know, kind of thing. of They can't really do nudity, and they're not really doing sex. Yeah. But they're going about as far as they can for a movie of this kind, made in there during that time period and uh there is some pretty funny kind of goofy stuff in it and dorothy malone is really excellent and uh She's really good she makes out with uh bob cummings there well he he starts making out with her and then she you know and then they just kind of go off together and uh you know yeah happy ending it's over yeah, you know yeah. it's you know it's it's very it's very light fare but i mean it's it moves along really quick it doesn't drag for me anywhere if, as far as i'm concerned everything looks good even the shitty version we watched on daily motion it's still very colorful and really pops yeah. it's got some nice energy to it william asher who directed this is a, a tv director he did yeah. really a ton of tv in the 50s and so that's and it looks very much like tv i mean honestly you could put this up next to a uh, uh some of the modern disney channel stuff and it looks about that. I mean, it's it's yeah. very they sort of designed. It sort of creates this genre. It creates this sort of tone that ends up just kind of being like widely influential within this kind of genre. Um, this is after the Gidget films. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand the Gidget films are a little bit more. They kind of play up the reality of the kind of the beach bum lifestyle a little bit more than this does. I haven't seen Gidget in long yeah. enough to uh, to to be able to comment on that. I mean, this is just pure fantasy. There's no. Like no one has a job or like has to eat <laughs> or you know there's no there's no sense of uh you know any kind of you know realism in this at all it's just kind of goofy fun but uh it works at what it does and uh it, de- it deservedly has this place in cinema history but I don't know that I'm gonna be revisiting it again anytime soon yeah no it's it's just kind of fun like if you've never seen it before like check it out I'd say but I mean. It's more kind of just interesting, I think, just because it's kind of it, it sets a lot of the sort of prototype for these sort of movies going forward. Like it's very influential. You can you can definitely see its DNA through just about everything that's a sex comedy that involves a beach. <laughs> I mean, even like the Beach Girls, which we did uh, two years ago, you know, was I mean, it's basically the same fucking plot. You know, mm-hmm. it's the girl who's kind of the straight laced one who doesn't want to get laid, and then there's a party and. uh 
you know, uh, except in that one in that Funicello shows her boobs. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's just a thing. Yeah. Um, um I, I was going to say, uh, I, I found it funny. Like there are a lot of jokes around the professor's beard and yeah. once he shaves, it doesn't look like he's in his fifties. No, so he doesn't. He doesn't he doesn't look all that much older than most of the cast here who are too old <laughs> to be playing teenagers in the first place. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it would look really creepy if you had actual teenagers and then like this guy who's in his 50s. Oh, yeah. And, um yeah, it works just just based on like it's shot the way it is and it's just sort of, you know, I mean, he's I think that the fact that he is so clearly innocent of kind of any overt malice just sort of allows it to it, it sells it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of an uncomfortable thing when you start thinking about what would really be going on realistically, but it's also like played with such a light touch that it's hard to really kind of blame the film for if that. The, you know? If his character, you, you see like iterations of his character in future sex comedies in the seventies and eighties. And then almost every time they're totally the creepster who's drooling all over everybody. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, you get that he has like the honest motives. And I mean, he's got um, the fact that Dorothy Malone is obviously in love with him kind of sells the, he, yeah, there like, must be something really not a bad, bad guy, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. Because you know, Dorothy Malone just comes off as fucking awesome in this. And it's like, yeah. well, if she sees something in him, then he must not be a creep. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. She's so no nonsense. I just, I don't know. Anytime Dorothy Malone is on screen, I'm just like, Oh, I, I love the scene where she uh, she's using the the professor's uh, equipment there, and she hears all the teenagers making out and stuff. And then she's like, at first she's like reluctant. She's like, oh, I shouldn't listen to this. But then she's like, hmm. And then just, just the way her, like the looks on her face while she's listening is like really good. That's a great scene. I like that. And uh, she is uh, thirty nine at this point. Like even this late, she is only thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Looking good. She's looking great. And, uh, you know, but I mean, it is like this is seven years after uh, the three films that we discussed last time. It's looking at this and then looking at six years after Written on the Wind. And, you know, she looks older there than she does here. And clearly that's performance and makeup, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's not to, you know, that's not to be critical either way. It's just to say that, like, you know, we, we've seen her as early as 1946 or 45 when uh, Big Sleep, when the Big Sleep was yeah, made. Yeah, Big Sleep. Uh, we, we've seen her that early, and, uh, you know, she was, like, in her 20s at that point, early 20s at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, it's nice to see, you know, kind of later on, she's, uh, I mean, she looks great. She's a great performer. Um, she said, uh, I've seen some of her stuff in her interviews where she said, uh, I really like playing moms. I really, you know, so coming to this stage of her career and kind of being like the, like the slight, not being the sexy ingenue anymore and kind of being the slightly older actress really worked for her. And she got, I mean, in, in a couple of years, she's going to start her, you know, kind of big TV career and she's going to have this starring role and Peyton place. And, you know, yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's just a delight to see uh, a woman like that who had a, a career as long as she did. She's great in this. And I think she's going to be great in everything we see. Like yeah. uh, we're going to keep coming back to Dorothy Malone movies. And she's going to be awesome in all of them. I guarantee you. I would not be surprised. Yeah. Uh, budget for this was somewhere between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars. There's not an exact figure apparently, uh, but it raked in two point three million alone from U.S. and Canada. So, yeah, for AIP, yeah. that's a big hit, and you yeah. can see why they made so many of these. Unfortunately, and I'm really surprised by this, 
there are no Blu-rays of these Beach Party movies, which you mm. think the way these pop on the screen color-wise, you think these would just be right for Blu-ray, but the best you can do is uh, MGM Midnight Movies released a DVD in 2006 as a double feature with Bikini Beach, and that's kind of your best bet for this right now, unless you want to watch it on Amazon Video. You'd think there'd be a uh, like a like a big box set of these. Right. You know, and maybe there are some rights issues that, you know, where it's difficult to kind of put together a box set of seven and do the full restoration and maybe Maybe. the audience has just aged out for these you know could be like you know i could see kind of like the big vhs era kind of box set where you know because at that point they were only 20 or 30 years old and so you basically would have you know people our age remember seeing them at the drive-in when they were Mm -hmm. kids you know sort of thing i don't know that's uh I'm surprised there's not there's not a big uh, there's not at least you know some like big good looking version of this but it's it's not that surprising. (laughs) (laughs) It's just you know the 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 way they just basically put anything on Blu-ray and DVD these days. It's like you'd expect it, but uh, well, we've also kind of gotten past the uh, the media era. I mean, you know, now everything's true. I mean, so it's just like they've just got to work out the rights and just stream it now, and that's uh, the unfortunate part. Is is it? You know, hardly anybody's going to do like a big digital restoration just for a streaming product. So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where that goes in the next ten or twenty years. But um, it's um, worth I'll, checking out. And yeah. uh, a, a whole bunch of these beach party movies and this like stuff made in this era is on Daily Motion. Like if you kind of go and you find it, and then you know you can see like the little part one of two, part two of two of you know, various things of this era. So if you're right. a fan of this stuff, it's it's available now. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's readily available if you're uh, if you're willing to just kind of just watch it in the little uh, little box. But when I looked at the heavens, they were rolling in fast. I knew I better make it because they just don't last. I'm surfing, surfing, swinging and surfing. Oh, the sand and the sea, the only love for me. I'm surfing. Yeah, and I'm surfing I'm a dog on my board Gonna have me a ball Caught a good ride And that was all I'm surfing Surfing and a surfing For the sand and the sea Is the only love for me Just surfing Yeah, just surfing When I looked at the beach There was nothing but chicks Rode a breaker in Gonna get my kicks I'm surfing Surfing and a surfing For the sand and the sea The only love for me I'm a surfing Yeah, I'm surfing Just surfing
Okay, we'll move on now to Joysticks from 1983. Joysticks. If everyone would like to bag the noise, okay, like we could do this. Everyone's doing it. But it's not vulgar. <laughs> Kids play with their joysticks day in and day out, jerking back and forth. <gasps> Everyone's doing it. But it's not violent. <laughs> like, where are we supposed to go? And everyone's doing it. A good clean. Arcane! You want to play Pac-Man? Eugene and Mommy? It's been so long. Joysticks. You and I have something in common. We both like to hang out in public bathrooms. No. Prepare yourself. I would like you to meet Simba. A film for people who are totally into fun. Stripedia. You got it. Games. Oh, damn it! And good times. You're running a garbage dump in here, and I intend to do something about it. You will not go to the arcade again, right? If I want to go to the arcade, like, I am going to go. <laughs> Just for the fun of it. If you win, I'll close the arcade down. It's more fun than games. Joysticks. I can't go on like this! Totally awesome video game! Uh, directed by Graydon Clark. Writing, written by three different writers. El Gomez, Mickey Epps, and Curtis Birch. And I mean, you know, a movie this substantial definitely needed three writers. <laughs> One for each actress who appears new to the film, apparently. Yeah, that's that must be it. Yeah. Um, it must have been their dads or something. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, Joe Don Baker as uh, Joseph Rudder. Leaf Green as Eugene Groby. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, a stupid name. Uh, Jim Greenleaf as Jonathan Andrews McDorfus. Scott McGinnis as Jefferson Bailey. John Grease as King Vidiot. Corrine Borher as Patsy Rudder. John mm-hmm. Deal as Arnie. John Voldstad as Max. Reed Crookshanks as Coach Strait. Uh, Morgan Lofting as Mrs. <coughs> Rudder. Kim Malin as Lola. And Kim G. Uh, Michael as Elva. And the synopsis for this I pulled from IMDb says when a top local businessman and his two bumbling nephews try to shut down the town's only video arcade, arcade employees and patrons fight back. And yeah, that's that's pretty pretty apt too. You know, Uh, there's even less plot in this film than there is in Beach Party. So uh, significantly less plot, but significantly more incident. Like more stuff happens, but it's it's really a pretty straightforward plot. It's you know, every ten or fifteen minutes, you just get a new kind of mini movie that starts, and you just kind of yeah. follow that. You know, it reminds <laughs> me a little bit of Party Animal that way. Yeah, it, it's, it's got it's a little like, bit of that like kind of episodic structure. It's the really dumb version of Party Animal, like the one without <laughs> any 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 sort of, sort of art behind it. But I assume the first time you watched this was a while back because we've had this yeah. on our list for a while yeah, now. This was one um, I, I think you referenced it at some point, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanted to watch it. And I think it was right after we finished our first sex party, our sex comedy series. I think so, yeah. And um, I remember watching it and really liking it. And I might have even mentioned it on the show at that point. Um, I know I talked to you about seeing it and how much I had enjoyed it. and uh, But it may have been either after we had stopped recording. I don't know if it ended up in an episode mm-hmm. or not. But I did really enjoy it. And 
and uh, I knew this was one we were going to have to do when we finally get back to sex comedies. And then it took us two years to finally get back to doing movies. <laughs> so um, yeah, I really like this. Um, this is this is a lot of fun. It's a big, goofy, stupid movie. One thing I didn't mention about Beach Party is it does kind of represent this sort of era of the like sort of innocent, you know, sort of beach teenager movies mm-hmm. and this definitely represents a very particular moment in pop culture history with the arcade video game in its ascendance you know 1983 right. this film was made this is kind of the beginning of the end like this is the this is the peak or you know some people say 81 82 is really the the peak you know, like a uh, pac-man fever i think is 82 but this was a a massive pop culture phenomenon that was happening with these arcade cabinets and uh Basically, in the, by 85, 86, the, uh, Super, or the Nintendo, the original Nintendo Entertainment System, yeah. basically just killed everything. <laughs> you know, it, just, <laughs> it just killed the whole, the whole market, uh, you know, and it just kind of goes downhill. And um, it kind of has a couple of resurgences in the 90s, but basically that's what happened. So we are kind of getting this, um, like the van, you know, because the van right. kind of capsul- encapsulates that Southern California van culture of the late 70s. And there, it's kind of this thing that existed for a couple of years and then disappeared. Yeah, and there is. There's a van in this movie that would fit right into the van. There is a van in this movie. I mean, I, that's it's it's kind of an obvious gag just because there is, I mean, literally like two characters from the van practically just show up in this movie yeah. for, you know, one little goofy, uh, you know, scene with some nudity. And um, it's glorious. So, no, this is uh, this is a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's big. It's dumb. Uh, it's very, very broad. There's mm-hmm. no particular story at all. But there are some really fun performances. I like how uh, it's playing with its own conventions. I mean, this isn't so much a sex comedy as it's a comedy about sex comedies. I mean, it's almost like the airplane of sex comedies in a way <laughs> um, because it's really broad. It's kind of playing with these tropes. Like, I mean, you know, at one point, a uh, vidiot, uh, King vidiot, mm-hmm. was like, we got to get some wheels. Like he's always like, he, like at one point he throws a bicycle, like a little child's bicycle because he wants wheels so badly. Yeah. And when he finally gets Joe Don Baker's character, to buy him some fucking wheels and then they get the little tiny like <laughs> little tiny bikes and he's just riding around yeah. like look at how badass i am now and you gotta think like they know exactly how ridiculous all this is right you know? yeah i mean just on its face this entire film is just one big dick jacking off joke too like everything in this is like centered around just double entendres about <laughs> moving your joystick uh, you know, playing with your joystick. It's all like dick and jacking off jokes. And, and in fact, like this movie kind of front loads the nudity and stuff. Like it's yeah. kind of in the first well, you know, you, 20, you 30 get, minutes. There, there are really only four. I think there are only four actresses who do uh, nudity at all in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is was in our was in the van who I actually forgot until you mentioned it. And I'm like, oh, right. There was nudity in that scene as well. Towards the end, you get this basically soft core Skinamax before Skinamax yeah. was a thing sequence um, with the ex-girlfriend of our Jefferson Bailey, who is yeah. just the douchiest looking guy ever, right? He's but, supposed to be the hero, but he, he comes off as like the bad guy in every other one of these movies, like the douche jock <laughs> frat boy guy. He's just, right? he's just too damn Aryan to really be, <laughs> be a good guy in one of these. But he is, and he's kind of a bully but he's kind of a kind-hearted bully you know so it's kind of yeah, whatever you know yeah um, I'll, I'll get more into that lately but... Down on it yet. Um, but uh, you know so his girlfriend so you get like a little sex scene with them, mm-hmm. this, this fairly raunchy you know kind of you know there's full nudity in it kind of on the level of the sex scenes uh, or the at least the one sex scene you 
or actually there's two of them in Hot Dog the movie, kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah, like that same. You know, it feels almost like a throwback and and to to the seventies a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. just kind of the way that's edited, a little bit more of an Emmanuel thing. But um, your other two, you've got these two actresses um who uh, show up at the very beginning of the film. Yep, they show uh, their, they take out the tops. They're kind of they go through the film. They have like I think three or four like full nude scenes, or you know at least topless scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of like you do kind of feel like well we've got these two actresses and we paid them to do nudity and they're okay with doing it. So we'll just kind of keep bringing them back. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, that's the strategy. Um, and it does, it does kind of sell this immediately with this sort of like where they're, they're hitting on the, the dweeb mm -hmm. Um, there. It's, I don't know. It seems like it seems really mean. It seems like this really like kind of aggressive, like stupid thing. Cause they're supposed to, Oh, we're in the sorority. And yet yeah, None of this makes any sense. Like, no, let's not think about it too hard. I don't. It's I supposed don't. to be a sorority initiation, but I get the feeling they're just doing it as a, a prank, just because they're they're just it, they're know? just naughty girls. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like naughty girls. They're very naughty girls. They they spend yeah. all their time in the arcade. Man, come on. Like, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, and these two girls, Kim G. Uh, Michael or Mitchell, whichever it is, this is the only role she ever did. Kim Malin went on to do a bunch of stuff. She was a Playboy playmate. She was the girl who gets her clothes sucked off and sucked up into a chimney in Weird Science. Nice. The piano playing girl, if you remember that sequence. Yeah, I do. I do very much remember yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, was, that was a big uh, sequence to see in, in my youth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they pretty much bring the goods for the first half of the film. Like, like again, like there is a little bit of nudity peppered through later, but for the most part, they, they front load it all. And then the rest of the movie is mostly how many dick and fart jokes can we get in? Yeah. <laughs> mostly at the, uh, mostly at the, what's his name? McGint McMurty or something like that. McDorfus. 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 How many fart sequences does he have in this? Oh film? my God. He, <laughs> he spends more time farting than he spends talking practically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's just made to he be even like... does the, he even does the one leg up aggressive, got to tilt and turn my ass towards the, uh, towards the microphone to make sure it really gets, you know, a full blast right there. And, Everything and, is very overly signaled in this film. And, the, and it's that level of ridiculousness uh, that, that sort of sells me on, like, this is intentional. Like, they, they're not. This oh, is, oh, yeah. This like, is overtly when, meant to be, like, just silly, you know. When you, see, when you first see McDorfus, he's playing on the video, one of the video games. And he's got food everywhere, popcorn all over the cabinet, on the floor, yeah. Just all kinds of shit everywhere, and Eugene, who's just been hired to this uh, place, thinks he's just like some de- undesirable and needs to be kicked out. So he tries to kick him out of the uh, to the place, and it's like it's kind of weird because this movie shifts between main characters. Sometimes I feel like yeah. some, sometimes it feels like it's supposed to be Eugene's movie, and the whole goal will be eventually get Eugene laid. But no, then it switches to Jim Greenleaf, who isn't very likable. And then it switches to like McDorfus and, and his fucking hijinks. <laughs> so there's like no focus at all. Yeah, it, there's no there's no real narrative cohesion here uh, <laughs> in terms of there's no there's no point to to most of this. I mean, it's no. really just sort of the I mean, Joe Don Baker is the only character who really gets a through line in that. And he's the, he's kind of the villain and he's just trying to get the uh, to get the, the video arcade shut down. Yeah. Um, you got our uh, our good our good buddy here, King Vidiot, John Grease, I think is his name. Yep. Who uh, 
he's still acting. He's he's been in a ton of stuff. He's got like 140 credits on IMDb, and Most he people... has a pivotal role in Real Genius, which is the uh, thing right. I know him from. And and I think most people these days would know him as the uncle in um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's really interesting in this. Like he's essentially just an, uh, an update on Eric von Zipper. You know, it's like it's just a punk rock version of that. And his entire <laughs> well, gang are all girls. It, of course, it, but it's also he's sort of likable in that way. Like you, you kind of get the sense that like this whole antagonism that he has with, uh, you know, the preppy kid who owns the place is, or whose grandfather or whatever, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, you kind of get the sense that the only, uh, the, 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 the real, uh, thing that's going on there is, is more just sort of a personality conflict. Like, like they're just sort of having fun. You never get that sense. That there's a real ill will. No, he's, well, he's not malicious. I'd argue that Jim Greenleaf is much more ma- malicious or, or I mean, um, not Jim Greenleaf. Jefferson Bailey. Jefferson Bailey, yeah, I'd argue he's actually kind of just a fucking dick. I was on, I was on Vidiot's side the whole time, honestly. He's, he's because Vidiot's just kind of, he's he's kind of crazy, and he's just kind of being used by everybody who comes into contact with him. <laughs> right. I mean, he's he doesn't seem all that bright, but he seems like he's he's kind of he's got a purpose, he's got a mission, and he's got uh, four girls who do Pac-Man dances around him, and. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that's a man who's who's got his life who's got his life together is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly more than like preppy dude is like my dad owns this place, so I'm the manager now. It's good. Get over yeah, yourself. Let, let's let's good. talk about this asshole for a second too, because uh, <laughs> can first, we talk about his big psychological trauma? That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, let's do so. So uh the we get to the backstory eventually of this dickhead and it, it all centers around all through the all through the film. He's like, I don't play these games. I yeah, play these games. It, it all it, it all centers around to a point where he's forced to play this game to save the fucking arcade. <laughs> and so we flash back to the softcore sex scene with his uh, long lost girlfriend, and we discover that they got caught by her dad, and her dad slapped her around and then left town with her. He hasn't seen her since, and every time he looks into an arcade cabinet, he, he goes right back to that night where where that uh, traumatic thing happened. Why the fuck are you in an arcade? Why are you working? You would be nowhere near a fucking arcade if that was that bad for you. <laughs> it's like, I can't look... Like, he can be around them, but he can't look into the cabinet, apparently, you know? And it's, he just sees, like, the angry father. I mean, I just, I, I'm just, uh, later on, he's he's kind of, like, doing the, um, playing the video game with the giant joystick, and they're doing, mm-hmm. the, like, the battle. And <laughs> I kept thinking of, uh, if you remember uh, Munich, the Steven Spielberg Munich, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, our, our lead in that, you know, he, after he does all of his, like, terrorist, terrorist activities in, in defense of Israel, et cetera, he, um, it's like fucking his wife and they like can't get it up and you get like the slow motion shots on his right. face. I just imagined that the entire time. And I'm like, Joysticks actually kind of does this better than uh, Steven Spielberg <laughs> did it, you know, 23 years later with significantly more money and better actors. So I can't, I can't blame it too hard, but it's almost like they don't play it up enough. I mean, this is definitely a script that needed a, let's just, it could use some polishing. Let's just a little bit. Um, yeah. Because like you could do kind of a really overt, fun version of this idea where you know it's not uh you know where it's like again like airplane you know oh i have a drinking problem you know or (laughs) i don't play these games and then like you do the close-up and you get a sting and you know like you you could definitely play this up more but it just seems like kind of a rush job and they're not really kind of doing too much with it but um 
Lots of goofy fun. I do want to bring up uh, one actress who is my favorite actress in the film, and this is uh, Patsy Rudder, uh, the mm-hmm. sister's daughter. Yeah, uh, Lauren Bower, and uh, I know her as uh, Veronica Mars's mom. Um, she's in, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, <laughs> she's just delightful. She's just got that, you know. Well, come on, Daddy. Well, Daddy, yeah. I'm going to play the video games, and uh, she's like so, the, the so I'm, rich girl. She's I'm, I'm so gonna, much fun. I'm going to split with you on that. Okay. To a certain degree because she has to be the most stereotypically annoying valley girl ever. She puts it on, my God, a hundred times worse than you could ever see in any other movie. Like she she is just so fucking into that character, it's nuts. But the and, fact that she's way into it sells it for me. You know? I'm just kinda like, okay, I'm 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 on board. I'm on board with you playing this character because you're obviously having fun. And I think it also like the fact that it's super exaggerated is the sort of thing that the film is about the whole film is played to that peak level. So uh, if you find the accent annoying or you find the, you know, just the kind of intonation annoying, I sort of get that, but she's having so much fun. And I just love some of her like little, the little asides, like the little glances she gives. It's almost right. like they're just, they're just little like momentary acting choices where I'm just like, well, this is just, I am, I just fall in love. I'm just, I, you know, I have I have mixed feelings because and I, I eventually turned around on her because I ended up feeling sorry for her character because okay so first of all she's supposed to be sixteen they say in the movie she's sixteen yet she's hanging out trying to fuck this Jeff guy and she's hanging out with all these people who are constantly bumping and grinding on these machines and getting nude so you know her dad's actually right about. I probably want to keep her out of this place, you know. You, probably, you know, it's probably it's not not quite as wholesome as uh, you know, maybe they're like to pretend it is. You know, they're not doing computer science uh, you know, lectures <laughs> here yeah. uh, at the at the arcade, but neither is there uh naked mud wrestling. So, you know. Yeah, and also it's like there's the scene where she's at the uh, at the pool at her house and Joe Don Baker's got his two fucking dumbass nephews there with him who and are, who are a lot of fun as well. They they are fun, but did you sort of pick up the vibe that they wanted to fuck their cousin because they they're well, they're, they're glaring at her in that scene. <laughs> I mean, I, I I that that seems like something that's probably just based on the fact that uh yeah, I mean, just look at her. Yeah. <laughs> like that that might be just the actors not quite being good enough to uh portray being cousins at that moment because yeah, uh, you know. I, I can't say I blame them yeah because yeah. she's she's really cute but but I end up feeling sorry for her because at the end she just gets dropped and dumped and they don't pair her up with anybody else this would have been the perfect opportunity for Eugene to find oh yeah, yeah. to find a love interest you know instead of just uh getting yeah. fucked he, and, he ends up he ends up with Joe John Baker's wife which is mm-hmm. you know there's some there's some real Shakespearean drama happening like oh on yeah either end of this movie in terms she's, of like the family dynamics right you know? she's the uh, yeah Joe John Baker's wife is the uh, sort of stereotypical abused wife or basically you know neglected uh, wife I would say neglected wife yeah who is popping pills and is a secret nymphomaniac you know <laughs> not so secret only secret to Joe Don Baker apparently and who apparently has a gas problem. Because yeah. uh, you know there is that there is the moment where uh, you know that yeah. guy uh, you know lays the big one and uh, it's like oh come on you know I yeah well, you took care of that and he just he keeps spray like air spray next to uh, yeah like there that, and that's a that's a weird scene too because it starts out super creepy because Dorfus and Eugene they try to break into Joe Don Baker's house to get some dirt on him to you know basically yeah. blackmail him. 
they end up in the bedroom <laughs> with, with her and she's passed out on her pills. Basically she's barely conscious. And McDorfus is like, this is your chance, Eugene. You can, you can jump on her and, and, and bang her. And he's like, and, and to Eugene's credit, he's like, no, I don't want to do that. So, yeah. you know, he's not a rapist, <laughs> but then she, <laughs> and then she like, you know, just starts like feeling him up and it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then Joe Don Baker gets into bed and he doesn't even notice that this so, is happening. And that's how just completely oblivious, you know, I, Baker I, is, I suspect, you know? I suspect that was uh, a little bit of um, <laughs> reality bleeding into the picture. Cause I'm sure Do- Joe Don Baker is, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just not going to pay attention. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to read my lines and I'm just going to leave. <laughs> he's he's doing this. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. but he, he's clearly, he's He's, he's he's sleepwalking through it just a little bit, but uh, I yeah. mean he's fine. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, you're right. You're right that I, I feel like uh, they could have had uh, Patsy get a little uh, get a little action at the end. I, f- uh, I felt sorry for her because I mean, all they had to do is say she was 18, and then yeah. you know give her somebody to bone at the end. Like the poor girl, she's she's expecting to go away with Jeff, and then Jeff's uh, lost girlfriend, who we didn't even find out about until like three minutes before, basically. She, you know? she miraculously shows up with uh, Grandpa, who was off screen this whole time in the hospital, apparently, and he comes up with his with his nurse that he's constantly feeling up. <laughs> yeah, apparently he he's he's getting it on with the nurse, and uh, you know, so yeah, no, it would be it would be nice to uh, have a. Uh, her kind of be paired off with, with somebody decent. And you're right. Uh, Eugene is probably the, the person that should be with us. You certainly don't want to hook him up, hook her up with McDorfus there. Um, yeah. I do think that there's a, there's a, there's a logic to her uh, becoming one of the videos. I, I think I could see that um, because she clearly loves the arcade and uh, mm-hmm. it's got that like, rebellious streak. I could sort of see like that logic going on and she could maybe, <laughs> um, she could be uh King Vidiot's girl. Um, yeah. That would be a that would be kind of a logical end, but uh, although uh, King Vidiot uh, seems more uh, more enthused with really ugly women who look like dudes, <laughs> <laughs> got some uh, repressed issues. We'll just leave it. At that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, uh, and, no 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 judgment no judgment on my on my part with that. No uh, no, you know, hey, do your thing. But uh, it, it does seem like he's uh, he's maybe you know that's a man who wears a lot of eyeliner. Oh my god, the the I'm I'm not surprised like if he wasn't already having a receding hairline, I would be like I wouldn't be surprised if this was the movie that just basically killed his hair because that, all that <laughs> shit he's got in his hair. Holy fuck, man. Um it's great. I like the uh this just a minor little thing. I like the Pac-Man wipes that oh, they do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are fun. Those are fun. <laughs> There's a lot of little fun little bits like that. You know, lots of lots of little design uh you know, it's like uh, it, it's better than it has to be, and that's always something that you appreciate in a, in a film like this. You know, even though the story makes no sense and the actors are kind of wishy washy here and there, and yeah. you know, a, lot of the, a lot of the narrative is just kind of nowhere. But um, there's a lot of like fun little details kind of packed into the corners, and uh, sometimes it's a performance, sometimes it's just kind of a gag, and sometimes it's uh, you know the little Pac-Man wipes. I like the mm-hmm. Pac-Man wipes. I like uh, McDorfus uh, playing the uh, giant joystick. And, uh, you know, uh, I like the bit where he just kind of sits there and eats his chili dog while, you know, he's, the, yeah. you know, he loses two of his men. And then when he gets back in there, he's literally just like using his elbow and he starts like tonguing the, the button and that sort of thing. And I love that the, the rest of the like crowd just kind of accepts him as one of their own, like just like mm-hmm. even though like fat and disgusting and, you know, clearly well, they're, they're obviously clearly acclimated to his farting. 
because <laughs> he's just doing it in front of them all the time and they're barely wincing. Look at that, look at that, look at that arcade. Look at how like cheap that arcade really looks in terms of I mean they've got some nice production design, you know, with the with the the battle, like the, the station, that sort of thing. But this is a sheeted little snack bar with like a bunch of console machines that's clearly like crammed into you know, some poorly ventilated warehouse. Mm-hmm. And if McDorfus is there as often as he seems, and he's farting as much as it seems, that's basically a gas attack. I mean, there's there's just mustard gas happening in that place all the time. Like, everybody's just... You know, like, when they when they take, like, you know, military recruits and they put them into the, the tear right. gas room, you know, and they just kind of... That's just, like, everybody in that place is just kind of acclimated to it, you know? <laughs> And that's really, I mean, Joe Don Baker shows up and I mean, his, I mean, his immediate response should not be, you know, like, oh, these damn kids that are video games is like, there's gas warfare happening. And, you know, <laughs> why, why does this arcade smell like shit? Well, uh, also, the only th- other thing I really want to mention that I did like the the uh, obligatory courtroom scene, mm-hmm. and like basically it's a town council voting on whether yeah. they keep the arcade or not. They have the two different versions of the story, oh, and yeah, they got yeah. those little vignettes. Uh-huh. And you got the S and M orgy that Joe Don Baker is basically describing, where everyone's literally humping the consoles and stuff like that. And then you have the other one where everyone's dressed in white. Everyone's polite to each other. One woman goes, Eugene, my breast brushed your arm. Oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And then McDorfus is talking to the Pope. <laughs> There's literally a character credited as the Pope in this mm-hmm. film. <laughs> no, I, I really love I really love those uh, those two little vignettes. It's uh, one of the most fun little bits of the film. I uh, alluded to it earlier. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, the, the S&M Club version of the uh, arcade is definitely one of those. This is what happens in that arcade after dark, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish this happened in my arcade. I never saw any of this. I barely saw a girl in my arcade, <laughs> let alone this shit. You know, I'll bet today, I'll bet there is some arcade where like i mean a lot of the like you know kink community and stuff i mean they basically just like meet up wherever somebody has like a space for them mm-hmm. i would not be surprised if one of these arcades is owned by some 50 year old nerdy kinky guy and uh, he like rents it out and you know he kind of lets them use the space after after hours you know as as like the kink club <laughs> and i would love to see that that would be so much fun yeah. to show up at a at a kink club with salt that's also like a, a classic arcade <laughs> yeah uh, so, you know uh, do do a little uh do do a little sixty nine or something, and then get whipped a couple times, and then play uh, fucking uh, Galaga or uh, Galaga. Play Galaga, yeah, yeah, no, it's great, it's great. <laughs> what do you prefer? It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah, no, but the, those two are a lot of fun. Um, again, I like this movie overall. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Don't go into it expecting a whole lot. Um, there's no rape in it, and that's always yeah. something positive that we think of when we uh, when we see these films these days. And uh, yeah. Some good nudity too. I mean, you know, I hate mm-hmm. to judge it on that, but there, there is a like the strip uh, arcade game that they play in the in the right. back room. There is uh, is a lot of fun. I mean, it's just so, oh yeah, both both of them are, are excellent. And uh, Kim Malin's one of the rare blondes I really like too. I, yeah. uh, she made an impression on me in my youth, so it sort of stuck <laughs> with me. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, um, we uh, forgot uh, the great cameo from uh, Beach Party. Oh, yeah, Jesus, and I forgot to mention, yeah, Vincent Price, by the way, in Beach Party, alluding to his uh, role in the AIP-made Pit in the Pendulum. Yeah, and yeah. he's making, like, a little gag on it. Apparently, apparently they played it as a double bill or something, and I can't imagine how that, I mean, that's astonishing. Uh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. That's really weird. Anyway, move on with the uh, DVD info. I think we're done with, uh, yeah, with uh, unfortunately. 
Yeah, but uh, you know, yeah, joysticks is fun. It's it's actually a lot more fun than uh, you would probably think. You'd probably just think it's kind of a gimmick film, but it and it is, but it kind of it plays its gimmick right to the fucking hilt. So it it works that way. It's, um, it's again one of those way better than you think it is, just based on the description. And yeah. uh, as long as you don't go in expecting much of a story, I think you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, uh, budget was three hundred thousand dollars, and the box office in the USA alone was three point nine million. So holy shit, that's if if that's the right if that, if that's the correct numbers, yeah. I mean, with that kind of numbers, you, I'm surprised they never made a sequel. Yeah, I mean, uh, you'd think, you know, hey, let's make like a little series of these. But then maybe by the time they they kind of got to, oh, let's make it with the joysticks, and it's like, well, the craze is over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that well, the '83 is getting a little bit late into the sort of big yeah. sex comedy boom, anyway. But um, uh, DVD info, Scorpion. There there was actually some unofficial releases of this on dvd beforehand that uh ended up not either got got pulled or just didn't get released because of rights issues but scorpion releasing uh in 2012 did a dvd release and in 2015 a 30th uh anniversary anniversary uh, blu-ray as well although it's more than 30 years but um <laughs> i think i think the, the i think it's the just 32nd like a, anniversary yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but um, because they spent two years restoring this masterpiece to uh, yeah, criterion standard. You know, you you can see it on YouTube because, uh, quite quite frankly, if you're if you're trying to get this on DVD, good luck. There was I think only a thousand copies made of the Blu-ray alone, so it's going for big money on fucking eBay right now. Fun times, yeah. And it's an it's, I mean it's it's good, but it's not worth the uh, I mean. Hundred dollars or whatever they're going for. <laughs> no, I mean unless you're like a unless you're like a dedicated collector of eighty sex comedies or something like that, and you really have to have it. Otherwise, just watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's also on Rare List, just where I got my copies. So. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, not sure what we're going to be doing next episode, but Daniel and I will figure that out. I was kind of thinking screwballs and something you might want to suggest pair them together. Uh, we had a uh, Anne Margaret picture that I was going to do uh, called The Swinger from uh, nineteen from the early sixties, anyway. Okay, and uh, it's uh, kind of a uh, fits into that kind of in that same era that she was doing Kitten with a Whip and uh, Rebus. Um, Sounds like a couple good... years later, but uh, also uh, just kind of a li- little fun little uh, sexy comedy romp where uh, she has to pretend to be a a swinger, but in reality she's a little bit more straight laced. It's kind oh. of the plot summary that I got. And it's like, it's 66, I think, is the year it's made. So it's kind of in that, you know, kind of, you know. I think it we looks got like a lot of fun. I think we got a winner. So right. uh, next episode is going to be The Swinger and Screwballs. Nice. Yeah. We'll just pair the 60s and the 80s together. That's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although we uh, do have a, a planned, like, final episode for this little sex comedy series, this little stint of it, where we're going to be doing Carnal Knowledge and uh, Viva Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Kit Power and maybe uh, even someone else in our usual little crew. We'll see. Well, we'll see, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Daniel, tell people where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. And um, everything I do goes up there. And um, I have kind of everything. I don't know, Wrong With Authority. Uh, wrong With Authority. Blogspot.com. Uh, and that is a podcast about movies, about history, and the history they're about. Um, we have just done a, a couple of uh, the Consider the Reagan uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of sub-thread. We've recorded a couple of episodes that have not been uh, released yet. 
but we do have a Raiders of the Lost Ark commentary coming up um, whenever we get around to editing it, and a Die Hard commentary, uh, both of which are a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, check that out when it shows up. Yeah, awesome. And tmbdos.podbean.com is our website where you can find all of our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group. And, of course, again, join our Facebook group because that's the best way to get in touch with us. And until then, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Daniel. We'll be back when we're back, hopefully next week, I believe. So uh, there we go. So cheers.